What I feel like God is bringing us back to is the basics of passionate prayer, bold evangelism, and intentional disciple making. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. We're always thrilled that you join us. And you know, the great thing about podcasts, Kyle, is you don't have to uh, catch it the week that it's on. You can go back because right. they're archived forever. Right. And, uh, and, and forever. Forever. <laughs> It's terrifying. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I guess our bloopers are archived, <laughs> yeah, right. too. That's going to be an episode one day. Yeah, that's right. The bloopers of One Cry yeah, Podcast. Right. So today is uh, really important. We yeah. say that every week. Sure, but, but it is. But it is because we're talking about the next generation. Yeah, specifically college students. Yeah. And, that, and across history, college students have played an important role. Yeah. In revival, and as a dad of eight children, oh my goodness! That I Don't. think, yeah. <laughs> you know anything about college? You know, I remember one time, yeah, yeah with eight kids, right. and uh, I was I was about three years in, right. and we had them every year for I think twenty four years, and most years two at a time, mm. and plus your other kids, mm. and and I started figuring out how much I had spent on the first three. Yeah. And uh after I after I got myself off the floor, <laughs> I thought I can't yeah. I can't figure the rest of this out right. because I don't have enough faith for right. that. <laughs> the facts are overwhelming. But you know the truth is uh, I love to I was glad to make that investment right. because college is the most right. strategic moment. That's it. Uh you're you're forming mm-hmm. how you how you're going to think and believe and mm-hmm. what you're going to do the rest of your life. Yeah. And uh it, as it relates to revival, right. Kyle, it's fascinating God has so often Mm-hmm. Spiritual awakenings have started with right. college students. Yeah, that, and that's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Like you can study history and see that, and I could come and just talk to you about that merely today. But what I sense just thinking about this is, so if that's been true, if God decides to use that generation, and when we say college students, let's just take the demographic of 18 years old to 24, because I was, hey, I was finishing a master's at 30-something years old. So, mm-hmm. But let's focus in that demographic for a second. I think there's just something special. I, I in my heart, I, I had the privilege of doing college age ministry for for many years, and and I would say this, and and you can argue with me later on it, but uh, I, I know that God doesn't necessarily have a favorite, but it just it does seem that God does love to focus on that generation because I think to what you said, Bill, that God knows that there's something being established in the heart of a man or woman in that age. I think that God knows that he's establishing future generations of the faith in that moment. So uh, th- there's a lot to know about that college age demographic. Now, take for granted <laughs> here, they're like spiritual jello, right? They're, they're hard to nail down at times. And they, I, I've often said they're consistently inconsistent. They have oftentimes, college students have all the freedoms of an adult, uh, yet lacking the maturity of one. And, and what I find a lot of times when it comes to the church and pastors, and that's who I'm really talking to here today, for church leaders and pastors out there, we, we have a decision to make about that generation. 
we have a decision to make about that demographic in our region, in our church. And, and the decision is that we can either be frustrated with them. We, we can make fun of college students and their, their lack of uh, maturity whatsoever, uh, their, their inability to, to, to move forward in life with a lot of focus and bearing, or we, we can make the decision, we're going after them. <laughs> we're going after them. In light of the pursuit of real revival, I think a part of the recipe is a focus on that generation, is a focus for you personally and for a people, for a church. Uh, Let me tell you one thing about college students that they don't like. They don't like passion. They don't like passion. What they need is help help focusing that passion in the right direction. But you'll find very few college students that are not passionate about something, maybe some cause in the world or, or, or some thought or philosophy. But what they need is help finding the right focus on that. And another thing I love about college students as well is they can smell a fraud from a mile away, from a mile away, which I think makes them ready for the real thing, for the real thing. I remember I'm 40 years, years old. I can still remember this goofy commercial from Burger King, I think singing the Marvin Gaye song, there, there's nothing like the real thing, baby. There's nothing. They got the hamburger that you've never actually got one that looked that way when you went to Burger King, but they had it. There's nothing like the real thing. Uh, can, I, can I tell you something? College students right now in America, right now, that are highly confused, uh, that are for sure being enticed and every kind of tactic of the enemies being thrown at them. Let me tell you what they're looking for. They're looking for the real thing. They're looking for the real thing. It reminds me of this passage in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, by the way, stand by the roads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Let me tell you what I think. Um, It has been true in the past in revival. I think could be true even now if we'll so position and pursue college students. I think college students are asking for the ancient path. I think they're looking for the way forward in life. They they need to know how does life work? How is it intended to work? They're hearing a lot of opinions about that. I, I think everyone, but specifically making these huge life decisions, they're looking for, as that text said, they're looking for the good way. They're looking for the good way. They're looking for a walk that will actually work. They're looking for like, hey, something. And what I love about the Bible and walking with God, it's timeless truth. It's, it will work anytime, anywhere, at any point in history. They're looking for rest for their souls. As we're doing ministry here in central Arkansas and have several of our locations and, and, and opportunities to minister to college students, there is a lack of rest in that generation because the, everything that's being propagated, everything that's being you know, told to them is incapable of providing what their soul longs for. So if they're asking those questions, what do they need? Well, I think they need a God. I think they need a God. And I think that God intended for his sons and daughters in the faith to help the next generation get to the right destination. And, and I think that God is looking for churches that would say, 
you know what? We're going to leverage our energy, our effort, our prayers, our emphasis to help the next generation, specifically college students, find the ancient paths, find the good way, find rest for their soul. I, I think they're looking for a church that won't give them just a program, but will give them the real thing. Like, how does it, what does it look like to really know God? What does it look like to really pray? You mean, I, I think the greatest apologetic, by the way, uh, th- that's needed in our day is not just more information or dialogue around truth. It's to experience the presence of God. Because you let a college student get in the presence of God and that passion will become focused. And they'll tell everybody. They'll tell everybody that God is real and really changes Life. So I, I think a question that we got to ask and answer personally and as a church, are we just going to be frustrated with them? Are we just going to be mad? Look at that generation. They just don't get it. Or will we say, no, I, I'll sign up to be a guide for them. We'll be a church that helps them come to truth as a part of, as a strategic part of pursuing revival. Because I'm telling you, you let one group of college students catch on fire for Jesus Christ and your church is changed, changed. You let one group, you let a generation of college students catch on fire for the gospel and the future, hear me now, the future of our faith is changed. That's what happened in the Jesus movement. That's what happened in other moments in revival history. But we have to answer the hard question. Will we give the time, the energy, the attention, the focus of our prayers to find out how can we bridge these gaps? How can we reach a generation? How can we find that? How can we speak into the ears of the next generation to help position them for a real move of God? You, you, you have to decide that personally. And I, honestly, for me, I'm passionate about this because that was me. You know, Bill, for me, I, you've heard me share my mm-hmm. testimony of, um, many times. I was a 19-year-old mm-hmm. that, that knew nothing mm-hmm. in life, and a, and, a, and a coach came after me. And then a church was there with the fire of God. Yeah, the presence that you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, 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 and once I saw the real thing, I went all in. Yeah. yeah. I, I went all in, and once I crossed that line, I brought others with me yeah. by God's grace. Because there's, I heard J.D. Greer say this one time, which is, so true. There's a herd mentality to college students. Yeah. They want to go together somewhere. Right. When that happens in the church, it's a movement. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? And, and you know, you just think about this. Most college students come out of backgrounds and maybe even, sadly, churches right. or no church right. where they've never seen the presence of God. Mm. And, and the presence of God is what every heart longs for. That's right. It's the one thing, you know, we've said often, everything flows from the presence mm-hmm. of the Lord. So our task as guides right. is what can we do in our church hmm. to invite the presence of God? What can we do in a college uh, ministry or environment that invites the presence of God? Not that wows them with our knowledge mm-hmm. or, or gets the best Kool-Aid and, yeah, <laughs> you right. know, in town and cookies. Right. But but what they want is the presence of God. You know, the founder of uh, Life Action Ministries, Dale Faisenfeld, started it with students. Mm. 
and uh, he advertised his these student meetings is uh, uh, no pop, no uh, something, just power. Wow! And and that's how he said wow. we're, we're not going to entertain you. Uh, we're we're going to invite you to prayer and to power. And it exploded. Wow! It exploded. So what a what a challenge we have. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I was just thinking as you were talking, we need to be like the men of Issachar, whoever those guys were, <laughs> yeah. who understood the times. Right. And we're really privileged to have today a man with us uh, who is researching this, studying this, watching this on college campuses all across America. Right. And so we're going to hear his testimony right. and uh, of what God is doing across America and how we can in, in join him in that. So listen to this testimony. We are so thrilled today to have uh, Paul Wooster. And uh, Paul is a dear friend of my son, Dave, who's a church planter up in Seattle. And uh, Paul, I've, I've kind of lived... Uh, and known your life through Dave. He's always telling me <laughs> Wooster stories about you and your brother. And uh, and Paul has had a lifelong ministry among college students. His father is a extraordinary church planner and church planning leader uh, in so many places uh, that has helped the kingdom so greatly. Mm-hmm. And uh, his brother is a is a, a spiritual leader also. So uh, Paul, we're just thrilled to have you today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. And I've been following this podcast actually just recently, and um, it, it's really resonating with me and what I believe God is doing um, across the nation on college campuses. Amen. So it's, well, an, Paul, it's an honor. Your, your uh, job right now is uh, um, you've been hired to be the, uh, the college director. I know there's a bigger term for that. Uh, the National Collegiate Director, maybe something like that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. For the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, and and that represents a huge task. Uh, how, how many how many colleges do you relate to? Does Nam relate to and try to influence and in the kind of in the Baptist world, but beyond? Mm-hmm. It's actually hard to count because we want to come alongside all the collegiate ministries, campus-based, church-based, and then we even have some collegiate church plants. Mm -hmm. So we added up to hovering around 900 campuses that we have some sort of a a work that we're on in in, uh, North America, so Canada and the United States. So it's it's a pretty broad uh, spectrum that we're getting to influence and work with. So it's it's exciting. Which represents tens of thousands of (coughs) students who will be the next leaders in the next generation. And uh, mm-hmm. so uh, the reason we wanted to have you on, Paul, was uh, you have a broad look at a lot of campuses and a lot of ministry. And, you know, in the history of revival, God has so often begun great movements of revival and spiritual awakening on college campuses. Yeah. And uh, why do you think that is? Why are college students uh, so susceptible to the movement of the spirit? Mm. Well, I think thinking about my own life and my own story is I was basically, I came to Christ at a young age, but I was activated in my faith and really started to learn what it meant to live on mission and to live this life of discipleship my freshman year of college. 
there was actually uh, Nick Ripkin. He was he wrote this book, Insanity of God. He was speaking at a winter conference, and God just it was simultaneously kind of this reactivation of my faith and a call to ministry. He was telling stories of the persecuted church and people risking their lives to share the gospel. And I remember thinking if these people could risk their lives to share Christ, like I could risk a little bit of rejection going down the hall at University of Oklahoma. And um, so we saw just amazing things happen. But I think there's this built into a, a young person. There's this this angst, this desire for something more, this, um, they believe it can be done. They, they don't, they, they have this childlike faith for lack of a better term. They, they believe God for big things. They're almost, um, (laughs) naive enough to believe that God could still use them to change the world. (laughs) And so there's immaturity at the, but at the same time, there's also, um, this on this amazing opportunity to tap into that, um, that longing for a cause and all that kind of stuff. And they're at that perfect time in their life where they're the most vulnerable and they're the most, um, kind of open to influence. And, and so what we've seen is the gospel can go viral and and that term, you know, with COVID and everything that, that term gives new, has new meaning is, but we've just, I've been seeing, um, I've seen and been seeing that a a new believer on a college campus, especially, um, can be someone that just spreads the gospel. I've seen some of the best, the, the best partiers, um, because I, I do collegiate ministry at, uh, Chico state, which is in Northern California. And it's one of the biggest party schools in the nation. So we've seen the guy that used to put the best parties together, actually became the best evangelist (laughs) because he knows how much he was changed. So I I think those are some of the reasons that God, God can move there. And, and, you know, I pastored for 10 years there in Norman uh, with university of Oklahoma, so many students in our ministry and uh, they're so pliable, you know, Mm -hmm. your students are, they're teachable. They're, they're trying to find answers. They're suddenly they're on their own, you know, and, and it's not their mom and dad's faith anymore or whatever. It's, I got to, I got to figure this out for myself. And if the right influences come along uh, by the word of God and the spirit, mm-hmm. then uh, God can just transform their life. And they have that youthful zeal. You know, I, I often think about Evan Roberts, who in the principal figure in the Welsh revival, mm-hmm. well, he was 26 years old. He, yeah. he was a Bible college student. And that, that, uh, just got on fire for Christ. And, and then the Lord really downloaded a message in his soul and a vision that a hundred thousand people would come to Christ and a little principality of Wales. And nine months later, a hundred thousand people had come to Christ and it had swept around the world. So, you know, uh, on our podcast, one of the reasons we, we do some teaching and then we, we have some interviews and testimonies is we want to hear what God is doing uh, around the country because the, the fame of revival spreads the flame of revival, right? Yes, so mm-hmm. so uh, as you're uh, traveling and talking to college pastors and college ministers and observing things across the country, are you seeing little outcroppings, little kind of mercy drops of revival? What can you tell us just from your own eyes uh, mm-hmm. uh, of what's happening on the college campuses right now. 
Yes, sir. On a, on a big scale where whenever COVID hit, we actually, a few of my friends and I, we started this, we called it the roaring twenties fast. So we called, our goal was to call a million uh, young people around the world. We had some, some big influencers on social media and podcasts, and we kind of rallied together. How do we do a 21 day fast to kick off 2020? And uh, we got thousands of people. I don't think we got to a million, <laughs> but but we got thousands of young people to fast and pray for 21 days. And this was for a lot of them. This was the first experience with fasting and things like that. And I, it's interesting. This was before COVID hit. So I think God was preparing a generation for this mm-hmm. kind of um, testing. And uh, in my when 2021 came, I, I basically felt like the Lord was, we were going to do this fast again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt as if the Lord was saying he was preparing us for what he wants to do. 2020 was kind of almost like a pruning and a testing of what he could be doing um, in 2021 and beyond. And so I, I see, and we, I could talk all day of stories and testimonies of God renewing um, and myself personally, um, I, I actually spent some time with Robbie Gallaty. I know he's been on your podcast mm-hmm. and that was the summer of COVID. He talked about, um, at the time, this was before the revival that they saw at Long Hollow. He was mm-hmm. talking about the silence and solitude that he was spending with the Lord and what God was teaching him in that. And I was in the midst of growing into these bigger picture roles of, of coaching and consulting and speaking. And I felt like I was constantly on a zoom call and I was drained spiritually. And so I just decided to spend, this is the thing that just changed my life was blocking out an hour a day just to pray, not to accomplish something, but just to be with God. And, um, that was everything else flew like came out of that. And my, um, father-in-law who I live next door, to has a hot tub. So I would go out in the hot tub <laughs> and look at the stars at night after the kids were asleep. And just that became such like some of the, most of the things that God has used in my ministry after that. Yeah. He spoke into and um, he, but before he kind of was giving me insight in what I could do, he first had to speak into some things that he needed to, to change in my life. And right. so for me, so that's just my personal kind of experience with some of that, but we're seeing amazing things happen. It's really right now. I feel like it's almost like God is preparing um, leaders first yeah. or before, and we're seeing little outbreaks of God's spirit moving. But I think um, for a revival to really take off on our campuses, there needs to be tracks to run on. And so what I feel like God is bringing us back to is the basics of evangelism, passionate prayer, Mm. passionate prayer, bold evangelism and intentional disciple making. Those are three things that I feel like um, feel personally responsible as to use my influence to encourage leaders in. And uh, we're seeing that happen at, at Chico state. Actually, we saw, um, this idea of prayer and united prayer. Our students started these um, actually five uh, prayer meetings at six in the morning. They would get together in their little <laughs> So if you know anything about college students, that's a miracle. And they calculated, actually, we're really influenced by um, George Mueller, Hudson Taylor, 
to create like a, a specific prayer list of things that we want to see God do. And so they actually tracked in the course of one semester, 48 specific answers to prayer yeah. and which included about also about 50 people that came to Christ that semester on our campus. Wow. wow. Um, and so we're seeing it at Chico state. Um, but then also we're training other leaders. Um, I'm thinking about Arkansas state. There's a leader there. They they're the name of their ministry is 747 because they um, they're meeting meets at 747. So it was like a creative title, but after talking, we had some conversations and um, I use this Matthew 9, 36 to 38. That's that's the verse that's been on my heart um, to, to share with with every 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 chance I get. I share that because praying, praying for laborers. Is that for the harvest? Yes. The when the Lord, you know, he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his field. And it starts with that compassion. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that just speaks so true to this generation is this generation is harassed and helpless. Like wow. they have no clue. Like yeah. they, they do not understand. They're, they're stuck on their phones. Um, 90% of Christian men, young men struggle with pornography. Right. They did a survey, 90% and 50% of Christian women also do. And so this device is this phone I'm holding up is, is just eating and destroying the souls of this generation. So they're hungry, but the, the, the hope there's hope in this passage is that the harvest is plentiful. Right. Right. Like the problem is not with the harvest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The great, the, you know, God always has to bring us to the end of ourselves and to desperation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been noticing, I think during the COVID year, one of the things it it did, it just stripped us of everything, you know, entertainment, sports, et cetera. It also stripped the church of Mm -hmm. all of our little things we were doing that propped us up and made us look good to each other. Although we were not penetrating the culture, we're not seeing people saved, we're plateaued, you know, in many cases declining. And, and I know in our church where, where I have served all these years here in Little Rock, uh, and in many of my colleagues, about August of 2020, guys start saying, okay, okay, this is our new reality. How, how do they do this in Iran? How do I do this in China? They yeah. don't. How, how do they do this without without lights and fog machines and et cetera? And it's pushed us back to the simplicity of Acts Christianity, mm-hmm. you know, the Word of God, prayer, uh, real life to life community, and being filled with the Spirit and speaking the Word of God with boldness. Yes, that's, that's right. Where you know it's interesting. Uh, you talk about that because. Uh, in the 1857 revival, where uh, 30 million people in the United States total, 1 million came to faith in Christ, uh, which is uh, remarkable when you That's think amazing. about it. Yeah. And in, in New York City, 50,000 people were meeting every day to pray. Mm-hmm. Well, people would send in prayer requests and at at Life Action Ministries, which is kind of the parent organization of One Cry, we have those prayer cards. 
Oh, wow. And, uh, and That's amazing. You read, you read them through. They're all praying for lost people, hmm. praying for lost people. It's not, you know, Susie's sick and needs a, you know, a, a, she's got a toothache. No, it was, it was pouring out their soul in a very methodical way for lost people. Mm-hmm. God heard and answered that prayer. So uh, that's thrilling to hear that that's happening on college campuses, you know, just taking us back to the basics. And I, yes. I remember in the Jesus movement, because I'm one of the guys that was in it. That's what happened. <laughs> yes. That's what happened. I mean, we just, we got a guitar and started singing and worshiping out on a beach somewhere. And hundreds of kids would show up mm-hmm. and half of them would get saved. And then yes. we'd start discipleship groups because we didn't know what to do with them, you know, and uh, and it just spread with a God initiated uh, kind of uh, movement. So yes. that's so exciting to hear, man. And, and what do you as you look at this uh, for the future, you mm-hmm. know, in the days ahead? And I I think you're right on the mark of saying that we're in this preparatory f- uh, phase and we better get ready. Yes. Right? We yes. really need to get uh, ready. So what are you seeing that needs to happen in the best mm-hmm. possible ways we could uh, prepare for a coming Jesus movement? Yes, I, I think it's um, making sure that the, the leaders um, have the right um, structure, in, not structure as much as they have vision and perspective and, and passion mm-hmm. to take and I think it's going to be if it's going to happen, it's going to happen among the students. So how do we mm-hmm. how do we move from just doing ministry? Um, come listen to me to come help or even with our student leaders in, in the collegiate ministry world. Mm-hmm. A shift is come help me with my ministry to I'm helping you with your ministry. So the best people to reach students are other students. And so. Yeah. Like this 747 group, they made a goal, 747 gospel conversations this school year. And I know there's nothing more Baptist than that, you know, <laughs> but, but <laughs> they in more than 54, right? But they made that goal. And uh, in the last four weeks, they've seen 20 students come to Christ just through personal gospel conversations. Mm-hmm. And then they've seen about five students a week baptized. Um, and I, that sort of thing is, it's a combo of praying together, having a set goal, intentional one-on-one face-to-face gospel appointments is what we call it. And you can find more info on that at gospelappointments.com. But it's it's really a simple process of just having a low-pressure relational conversation around the gospel. And actually, we're seeing a lot of Christians come to Christ mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> because they never, they never really surrendered to Jesus as Lord. They never repented of their sin. And... Um, so I, I even think about Houston Baptist University. We, our friends at Life Action came, went there and uh, it was a Christian school, but um, the, it was an amazing story. But to, to keep it short, the electricity in the whole school went down, but right when they were about to have their meeting. And so a, a large group of these people came to the meeting because they didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> and yeah, classes were canceled. So they all showed up and uh, someone shared and they talked about true faith, true conversion. And uh, 30 people stood up and said, I had uh, up to this point, I had never followed Jesus. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the week, they had 70 people that made a profession of faith that, that said, I before I never really followed Jesus. Now I'm all in. 
I want to follow Christ. And so I think our Christian schools, as well as our secular um, campuses, are potential um, hotbeds for revival. Actually, Baylor is another place. This happened about a year ago. They started a 72-hour prayer emphasis, and it grew to actually several weeks. <laughs> so it went from 72 hours where they all the ministries got together and kind of did this united prayer effort. Mm-hmm. And it, it got to the point where there was literally thousands out on the lawn um, seeking God's face. Mm-hmm. And there was stories of um, salvations and all sorts of things happening. Um, and just this, this little outbreak. So I think there is lots of things like that happening, but I think before we see a major movement of God, I think God wants to get us ready to share our faith and personally disciple, equipping mm-hmm. students to personally disciple and um, those that do come to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this quote that I felt prompted to, I use it a lot, but I, it's A.W. Tozer. He said, have you noticed how much prayer, praying for revival has going, been going on of late and how little revival has resulted? I believe the problem is, is we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying and it simply will not work. Yeah. Praying for obeying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I often say if we're, if we're praying and God's speaking and then we walk out of the room and don't make any adjustment in our life, we've just quenched the spirit. Mm-hmm. The spirit mm-hmm. was moving, talking to us, telling us something, and then we just didn't obey. Yes. And and that just that's what quenching the spirit is. It's despising prophetic utterances, the Bible says. You know, when mm. God speaks, we just treat it lightly and and walk away. So there's there's no uh that's not pray or obey, it's pray and obey, isn't it? And, yes, uh, yes. And I think one of the biggest places is is that idea of evangelism is we as followers of Christ, we need to we don't necessarily need new methods, right? Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily, uh, they, and I'm happy to learn about any new method that's out there, but I think we need new boldness. I think mm-hmm. we need, just like in Acts 4, they were threatened with their lives. They were threatened with persecution and they got together. They didn't pray for safety. Mm-hmm. They prayed for boldness and then the place was shaken and they spoke the word of God boldly. And so um, that's that's something we really challenge students in is, be bold. Don't be pushy, <laughs> but man, let's, let's plant the flag of Jesus on these campuses, yeah. on these college campuses, on these high school campuses. And uh, anywhere that's happening, we're seeing God save students. Yeah. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. I, I remember one guy told me one time, he said, you know, I found out an amazing thing. If you share the gospel with people, they get saved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that is so profound. And, you know, it's some tenfold, some a hundredfold. The mm-hmm. seed falls in different places, but they're not going to come if they don't hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's our, that's our task. Amen. Paul, uh, it's just so great. I hope we can have you on again. And, and just anytime you hear of a little catalytic moment happening, let us know, because we'd love to report it to our One Cry audience and uh because I, I think this is what happens. I, I'm hearing Galilee's a great illustration in Tennessee uh, where they have seen, I think, 1,500 people since uh, in the last 10 months 
come be baptized, not just come wow. to faith, but be baptized. Wow. And he told me actually this week, I was talking to him that they thought it was kind of waning a bit. And they came the last Sunday uh, before we talked. And he said, 55 people came just spontaneously to be baptized. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Uh, and I've got a, another dear friend who he, he said, you know, I just realized everything would be solved in our church if we would pray and obey. Mm-hmm. And so they began to pray in the services in a very dedicated way. They just kept praying, praying. And in the last six weeks, they've baptized eight, 89 people. have just come <laughs> to Christ. And uh, that's, that's extraordinary. And I think when, when a spiritual awakening begins to happen in the nation, these are the reports you're going to start hearing. You yes, know, a hundred mm-hmm. over here, 200 here, a thousand here of people. And then the college campuses, you know, 60 college students coming to Christ, a thousand college students coming to Christ. I mean, that those are the stories we always hear in times of, of great awakening. So mm-hmm. may the Lord do it. And, and Paul, we're praying for you and thank you. And just your influence with so many of these leaders, particularly mm-hmm. uh, that uh, let's get them. Let's get us all equipped and ready to receive what the Lord has for us in the coming days. And would you take just a minute and pray for us about all this today? We'd really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Father, um, I'm reminded of your sovereignty, your sovereignty and how you work. Um, You prompt us to pray. You prompt us to share the gospel. And then you're at simultaneously drawing students and drawing people and just people that need you to yourself. And um, it's such a joy and a privilege that we get to be a part of the work that you're doing. And um, I pray that everyone listening to this podcast um, would, you would give them just hope and faith to believe you and just to pray for the, for our college campuses, to pray for the young, this next generation, generation Z that is harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Lord, I pray that you would um, give us your heart, give us your burden um, for this next generation, and then help us to train them and equip them and empower them to live and to share your good news um, with people that desperately need it. So Lord, we do ask for another Jesus movement, and we, we ask that you would do that on campuses um, and across the nation and the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Yes. And, uh, we hope to see you soon. Kyle, I don't, I don't think there could be anything more important mm. than us going after the next generation, right. these, and, and particularly these students. Right. And, you know, I, I think God puts some of his choice men and churches mm. and leaders in college environments. I agree. And uh, so we need to seize the day mm-hmm. and we need to pray because there's somebody else in this world who's trying to start a movement with mm-hmm. college students yeah. and it's the enemy yeah. and he's done real good at seasons, right. but we need to pray for a counterculture, cultural, spiritual movement yeah. uh, for revival, just like happened in the Jesus movement in mm-hmm. the 70s. And, and uh, that's what we want to pray for right now. Mm-hmm. And Kyle, why don't you... Begin us, and we invite you to pray. I mean, just right there in your car or office or wherever you are, just cry out to God for students across our nation. Let's pray.
Yeah, Lord, please, please send a movement of your spirit mm-hmm. among college students, God, on every college campus That's right. in America. Mm-hmm. God, I, I pray that, that the fire of God would fall mm-hmm. on some sons and daughters there, some uh, collegiate ministries, some churches that strategically placed by God. Mm-hmm. And that, Lord, that we would see something that culture cannot stop, uh, that mm-hmm. the enemy cannot stifle, Lord. So please, Lord, mm-hmm. please do it again. Lord, please do it in our day and let it be a part, God. We ask that it would be a big part, mm-hmm. a big part of the coming revival. That's right. And Lord, uh, it's easy to think of the craziness of college and mm-hmm. the excesses of what can happen. Father, we pray for a movement that it would be known by the passion of that generation for Jesus, mm-hmm. just Jesus. We want Jesus. We want to know him. We want to spread the fame of Jesus. We want to spread the good news about Jesus. Yeah. And I pray for a singular focused passion. Uh, Lord, there are a thousand different things that could call for their attention and will get it, mm-hmm. Lord, if they don't find you. And mm-hmm. so I pray for, uh, we pray for college leaders. Uh, we pray for college ministries around the country, for the Navigators, for Campus Crusade, mm-hmm. for the Baptist Collegiate uh, Ministry, mm-hmm. for all these other movements, yes. Lord, uh, around the country. Lord, prosper them, help yes, them, Lord. use them. Make, make their leaders men and women of revival uh, that know how to help foster that on the campuses mm-hmm. where they serve. And uh, Lord, just do it again. You've done it in the past, <laughs> Lord. And you could, you could, with a, a snap of your hand, mm. you could cause a movement of spiritual awakening on mm. college campuses. And we pray you won't leave a one yes, that is not touched by your yes. spirit. We ask that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the One Cry Podcast. And we want to remind you that you can learn more and have all kinds of resources by going to the One Cry website, onecry.com. And on there, you can begin with a seven-day personal revival uh, journey. And there are sections for your church, how to pray for your church, how to pray for the nation, how to pray for revival in your community. And we also want to encourage you, as always, to share the One Cry podcast with others. Uh, And we'll hope you'll join us every week.